Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Servants of Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, we're going to look at Psalm 28. The The title of our study today is My Strength and My Shield. Would you please join me now in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is true and that it, it cuts through and it as Hebrews 4.12 says, it pierces our hearts because it, it, you're the God behind the word is a God, Titus 1.2 says, who never lies. And so, Lord, we thank you that your word is true, that it, that it tells us and it teaches us and that it instructs us about the character of God, who you are and what you're like. And so as we look at this great text today, may we be May, may you use it in our lives to remind us of and to teach us and to instruct us about the character, about your character, about who you are and what you're like. And Lord, may we, may we build our foundation of our lives, not on the sifting sand of, of our culture, but on the, the unchanging character of God in the revealed word. And may our lives, Lord, be shaped and molded by our King. And so as we look at this passage, Lord, may you use it in our lives to open our eyes to see great and wonderful things as a psalmist prayed, to know your law, to know your will, to know your ways, and also, Lord, to walk in your ways, walk in the righteousness of Christ that is is belongs to those who are in union with you. So Lord, help us today. Give us uh open our ears, give our give understanding uh, through the preaching of your word and help us to grow to be more like you in Jesus name. I pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. Hear what the word of the Lord has to say to us today. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors, whose evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evils of their deeds. Give to them according to the works of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the name, blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield 
In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. This is the reading of God's precious word. Have you ever felt that your prayers were not heard by God? After all, you you spent time in prayer with God, maybe through tears and a hopeless fear gripped your heart and your soul that maybe God was not listening. Perhaps you feel like God had turned his face from you and you do not feel heard from God. And so you are in a panic and a cold sense of despair rose like the floodwaters in your soul. And most of us, at some point in our Christian life, have experienced this type of situation. And yet it is comforting to know that others have experienced this also. In fact, this is the very thing that we're going to look at in Psalm 28, verses 3 through 5. David is afraid that God will number him with the wicked and drive him off to judgment. And what could be worse than that? Well, an IRS, you might think an IRS agent might strike fear in me because the agent has the power to charge you as a criminal and ruin your life. Or perhaps you get caught in some corporate espionage and you wonder, will I get caught? But imagine if God files with you with the wicked and drags you away from his presence. That is infinitely more terrifying than any corporate espionage and any sort of audit by the IRS. But while Psalm 28 begins with as a passionate prayer, it ends with passionate praise. And we need to understand that God does hear and that God does answer. In verse 2, David says, Hear the prayer of my pleas for mercy. And he repeats almost the exact same words in verse 6 because God answered him, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. And so we meet David at the beginning of the psalm in the dark of the midnight. And as he prays, the sun rises and we end with a song of joy. As he begins to pray, David cried out for God to hear in verses 1 through 2 of Psalm 28, which say this, To you, O Lord, I call my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands. God hears every whisper. In fact, he knows. Psalm 139.4 says, he knows our words before we even utter them. And we need to be clear here. David is not talking about a literal deafness. He is talking about God's disposition towards him. He is worried that God will give him the cold shoulder, that he will ignore him, that God is disinterested in him. And so he pleads with God to be favorable. The word for mercy in verse 2 should probably be translated as grace or favor, God's kindness to him. As Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. And that's exactly what David had waited so long. It felt like God would not answer. Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow to show 
that we should always pray and never give up. Night and day, she bothered the judge until he finally gave in and heard her case. David showed this same kind of persistence. Then the word for plea is plural, showing that he prayed and he prayed again and again. He did not give up. If God had not heard our prayer, we must not give up. We need to keep praying. This is one of the ways that God builds endurance in his children and strengthens their faith. You might feel today that <coughs> because you haven't got the answer to that prayer that you prayed, that God is disinterested in you. But God is not disinterested in us. He is not disinterested in, in us at all. The very answer to this question is seen in the incarnation of the Son of God and the Son of Man, and especially around this time of season, as we contemplate these ideas, this is especially relevant because people feel lonely. They feel grief because they've lost a loved one, and they might feel all alone because they have no family. They have nobody to be around. But more than these things, you have, if you're a Christian, you have the Lord. You have the Lord, and you should have a local church to join with, so you have the family of God to surround you. If you know of somebody who doesn't have a family that is lonely and grieving as a Christian in your local church, you should come alongside them. You should invite them to your Christmas celebration so that they can join together with family and experience the love and care of Christian, uh, a Christian family joining together and celebrating our Lord at this time of year. Because there's so many people that, especially in our post-COVID world, they've, they've lost family members, they've lost friends, and so they're really hurting, they're really grieving, and this is one tangible way we can show the love and the care of God. There, People are crying out for community today. But what they're crying out for is this the kind of community that God made them for. First, with, with the triune God who, through Christ, at the Christ, Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, He's the only one who can save. In fact, the primary reason for the incarnation, I must say, is that He came under the sentence of death to pay the penalty in our place and for our sin as our sinless substitutes. And he was buried and he rose again. We need to be reminded whether we've been a Christian for 10 minutes or 30 years or 40 years about this reality and its practical ramifications for our life and godliness. Now, the heart of Psalm 28 is in verses 3 through 5, as David lays out the substance of his prayer, asking God to judge rightly. In his prayer, he asks God to judge with, judge, to, with discernment, to judge by works, and to judge for unbelief. David asked God to judge with discernment. David's fear was that he would be swept away as one of the wicked. Psalm 20, 28, 3 says, Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Now, we don't know what David was going through when he prayed this, and why would he have been particularly worried that God would drag him off with the wicked? We don't have an answer to that. But what we do know is that he was a sinner, and that there were times when his 
conscience condemned him. But Psalm 28 does not give us a enough historical background to know what event that David is speaking about specifically here. And yet when we look forward to Christ, we can see how this psalm points to him. As a human being, Jesus had good reason to plead with God. Do not drag me off with the wicked in verse 3. Jesus was publicly accused of being evil himself, lumped together with the wicked, and yet Jesus counted on God to see through the spin and the smears to judge rightly, to clear his name and to show the difference between him and the wicked. In fact, think of the false accusations that were leveled at Jesus during his life. He was accused in Luke 7:34 through 39 of being a glutton and an alcoholic, a friend of tax collectors and prostitutes. The Pharisees accused him of being demon-possessed in Mark 3.22. And when he was arrested, they came looking for him with swords and clubs as if he were a robber in Matthew 26.55. At his trial, they accused him of blasphemy, and they beat him as a heretic. And when they turned him over to Pilate, they charged him with rebellion. These false accusations came to a head at the cross. The cross was such a gruesome means of execution that the word cross itself was something vulgar, like a swear word in Latin. They would use euphemisms like hang him on a tree to be crucified was an unspeakable shame, clear evidence that you were a criminal and a danger to society. And if there was any doubt, Jesus was crucified between two insurgents or terrorists. Imagine the optics of your sentence to be executed with a known terrorist, like somebody from uh, 9-11, people would assume you were a violent criminal yourself. In fact, to make matters worse, the law of Moses placed a curse on anyone who was crucified. Deuteronomy declares that anyone who was hung on a tree is cursed by God in Deuteronomy 21-23. And then if you fast forward in Galatians 3-13, now, Jesus was not only accused by Jews and Romans, God made him a curse through the law of Moses. As Jesus was slandered and falsely accused, he appealed to God to judge, with, judge him with justice and not to drag him off with the wicked. And Jesus was heard. God was a strength and a shield, a refuge for his anointed, the Messiah of God. Christians are falsely accused just like Jesus was. Paul was thrown in jail for disturbing the city of Philippi in Acts 16, 20-23. He was wrongfully accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple in Acts 21, 27. A Roman tribunal assumed he was a rebel leader with 4,000 assassins under his command in Acts 21, 38. In the early days of the church, Christians were accused of cannibalism, incest, and other crimes. Nero accused Christians of burning down Rome. And Christians today are accused of all sorts of evil. Recently, in recent years, a pro-life woman quoted Washington, D.C. abortionist Dr. Cesar F. Santalago as saying that he would make sure the baby died if the little one was born alive. How did he respond when confronted with the evidence that he planned to murder a newborn? He accused a pro-life worker of being a terrorist. And there is more on the way. If you believe the Bible is God's word, Many academics, journalists, and politicians will label you a fundamentalist. As a, as a fundamentalist, then, you are out to be tar and feathered and labeled along with Muslim fundamentalists and other dangerous groups. 
we can expect this to only get worse in the coming days and years ahead. But the real question that we need to ask is, how are we going to handle it? Ultimately, we lift up the same prayers our Lord Jesus in Psalm 28, verse 3. Do not drag me off with the wicked. You know that? The, they may accuse us, but the Lord judges us with real discernment. He sees our hearts. He knows our motives, and he judges us rightly. Next, David asked God to judge by works in verse 4. Of Psalm 28, he says, Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. God will judge everyone according to what they have done. This is not just an Old Testament teaching. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 2, 6-11, He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life, but for those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. For God shows no partiality. Today, as evangelicals, we downplay this clear scriptural teaching because it sounds like salvation by works. Paul says elsewhere in Romans that we are justified, made right with God by faith apart from works in Romans 3.28. But he sees no contradiction between salvation by faith and judgment according to works. The old saying is true, we are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. If you belong to God because of Christ and you are in union with Christ, you will persevere in doing good. You're never going to be perfect this side of glory, but you will persevere with patience because the path to heaven is narrow and it's really the path of obedience through and because of Christ and God's judgment really does line up with our works. That is to say that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and our works are a demonstration of the inward work of God's grace through his spirit because we are actually in union with him. In Psalm 28, David is not a worker of evil. He can say and ask God to repay the wicked according to their work, knowing that he is not one of them. And so he asks God to judge them by their works. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 2.19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Ultimately, their evil actions come from evil hearts that refuse to love God and to worship him. And David asked God to judge them for their unbelief in Psalm 28, verse 5. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. These wicked men seem to be the Israelites. They have God's word, but they have not seen God in his word. The works of the Lord are especially his work and his creation and his work in bringing Israel out of Egypt. He revealed himself to Israel by showing his power and his glory through these events. But the wicked refuse to understand who God is and to give him the glory that he deserves. This is what we see in Romans 1. And God gives them up 
uh, to their to their evil, to the passions of their flesh. In the same way today, many have God's word, but they do not regard the works of the Lord, as Psalm 28, verse 5 says. The frightening message is that God judges this unbelief. God will bulldoze them to the ground. He will just hand them over, as Romans 1 says, to their desires. He will give them what they want. And that should be a, the most frightening thing in the world to us, that God would just honor our requests. Mm, think about that. Think about the current cultural climate in which we're living in, in which we're seeing our culture go more and more towards Romans 1. Don't you think that God is giving people over to their desires? He's giving them what they desire. And we're seeing what that desire produces. It produces nothing but evil. Evil for the whole sake of our civilization. More evil that harms people. And we might think, well, you know what? Just a little sin doesn't hurt everybody. But we're seeing what sin really does in the life of people and to a civilization. It's, it's affecting our children's education. It's affecting the life of our government. It's affecting every sphere of life as it always has. And that's why we need to preach not just that God is a God of love and that he wants to give me a giant a cosmic hug, but that Jesus is the Savior and he is also the judge and he is a righteous judge and that he has come in his in the incarnation to come and to, to uh, under the sentence of death to pay the penalty in our place and for our sin and to be buried and rise again so that sinners could be saved. This is why Luke 19.10 tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. John 10 tells us that Jesus goes after the one lost sheep. He doesn't leave them alone. He goes after them because he's a good shepherd. And that's what a shepherd does. They lay down their life for the sheep. And yet, God also gives them up to their desires to judge their unbelief. And God is good in all of it. In fact, the wonderful conclusion of the psalm is that God did hear David's prayer. He heard Christ's prayer. Christian, he hears your prayer today because of Christ. Psalm 28, 6-7 says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give him thanks. The great fear on David's heart was that God no longer cared for him and would treat him as one of the wicked. We don't know when or how the answer came, but now he knows that God heard his prayer and that he cares for him. This is a prayer of faith. David does not say that God rescued him from the situation he is in. He doesn't say how he rescued him or when he dealt with him well, but he knows that God is on his side. And God himself is his strength and his shield. He trusts in God, which means that he was walking by faith, not by sight. By faith, he sings with joy. This is, this is a good thing for us. Because what it shows us is, it shows us God's character and action in the life of, of a believer. David trusts the Lord. He trusts the Lord in the midst of a seemingly difficult situation. 
Well, let me ask you, do you deal with difficult situations today? We do. We deal with pressures at our, at our job, financial pressure at home, maybe marriage conflict and difficulty. Where, where these situations reveal our understanding of God like nothing else. How are you responding to that current trial, to that current difficulty, to that current difficult person in your life? Are you praying for them? Are you trusting God? Are you taking them in that situation before the Lord? You see, David takes, David trusts the Lord. He takes his issue to the Lord, he walks by faith, not by sight, and by faith he sings for joy. And since David was the king, the blessing expands to the nation. And he says, the Lord is my, the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever, verses 8 through 9. You see, God strengthens his people by, by saving his Messiah, his anointed one. Indeed, God's power for us through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Our, our great hope is that that same power that raised Jesus is at work on us, and it is because Christ's work is finished and sufficient. You see, if you are a Christian today, your great shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus, is at work in your heart. He is, even now, Hebrews uh, 4 14 through 16, tell us that he invites you before the throne of grace to receive help in your time of need. So don't stop praying. The Lord, because of Christ, he hears your prayer. His arms are never tired, and he's going to carry you forever. You know, in, in a time that we're living in today, these words that the Lord is our rock and our shield. He's our help. And how David finds help in the Lord, it's a good word for us. We're living in a time when there is so much gender and sexual fluidity, when there is so much doubt about even, even just essential doctrines of the faith. And we need to take, we need to come back again, pull back to the scriptures, pull back to see how did the people of God, like David, how did they deal with life? And that's what's so encouraging about the Psalms. Because here we see David dealing, we don't know what the situation was, we don't know the specifics of it, but we know that David was wrestling with it. And David puts his trust in the Lord. He walks by faith, not by sight. He doesn't have an answer to how this is going to be a result, but he just keeps plodding along. He charts a course like, like you would on a ship, like a captain on a ship does. They, have a, they plot a course, and they execute that course, much the same way as you know a pilot does on a plane. The pilot knows he's starting in one place, and so he plots his, his course to where he's going to go. So that the, the, the plane will go that direction. The same is true with our Christian faith today. 
We plot our course by the word of God. We plot our course by the inspired, inerrant, sufficient, clear, and, and uh, authoritative word of God. And God comes back to us and he shows us, he teaches us, he instructs us, he shows us, my son, my daughter, this is the way in which you're to go. In the midst of every trial, in the midst of every challenge, in the midst of every difficulty, God is there. He is character is unchanging. And this is why we need to trust the Lord in the midst of whatever trial we're going through, in the midst of whatever difficulty we're going to go through. Plot that course day by day, moment by moment, by the word of God. But it's not just that we need the word of God personally. We need the help of God's people. Some situations are harder than others. Like maybe since we're living in a post-COVID world, you lost a friend to COVID or you lost a friend to cancer or you're presently going through a financial difficulty or you have a family member that's going through a divorce or a friend that's going through a divorce or you know somebody who's going through a divorce. And you wonder, Lord, do you hear? Lord, do you care? And the answer this psalm comes back to is, Trust the Lord in the midst of it all. Walk with him by faith, not by sight. And see how the Lord is at work. Sing unto the Lord. He is good. He is our strength. He is our shield. He is enough for us. That is the best news in the world. Second Corinthians 1.20 tells us that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And that's infinitely good news because the whole Bible testifies from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between of the person and work of Christ. And so we can trust the Lord who is our strength, who is our shield. He will help us. He will meet us in the midst of every situation, even the hardest ones, even the ones that are good. He is a good God. He is a help to us. He meets us. He is with us through everything, through every every valley, through every mountain. The Lord is there and he is the same. Hebrews 13.9 says, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are, you are the same and you remain the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And Lord, not only is this truth a, a help in our time of need, a help in the midst of, of trials, of hard things, in the midst of good things, but it's it's good news and it, it should lead us to the worship and the praise of our of our great God. So we thank you, Lord, for this great psalm. We thank you for teaching us from it. We thank you that it has so much to teach us today about our walk of faith as we walk through the valleys and the mountains and even the shadow of death and that you are with us. You are our help. You are our refuge. And so we're so thankful. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the same and you remain the same. You are unchanging from beginning to end and everywhere in between. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.